In her book, Awakening the Loving Kindness, Tema Chodron, the American Buddhist nun, writes, the essence of the fourth noble truth is an eight-fold path. Everything we do, our disciplines, effort, meditation, livelihood, every single thing we do from the moment we are born to the moment we die, we can use to help us realize our unity and our completeness with all things. We can use our lives to wake up to the fact that we are not separate. The energy that causes us to live and be whole and awake and alive is the energy that creates everything. And we are a part of that. And we can use our lives to connect to that. Pema goes on to call this an interconnected web. Now that sounds familiar to me. The Buddhist concept is quite similar to our seventh principle, the respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are part. Yet there is a difference between interconnected and interdependent. It's a slight difference. Interconnected is more about the present state of being, the here and now. The term interdependent is more about relationships, how we thrive in relationships. Interdependent expands behind, beyond the here and now and reaches back to our history and also projects us forward to our future. This interdependent web allows each person's life to touch out, reach out and touch many other lives. This broadening understanding of our seventh principle recently came to me while I was watching a movie. In fact, it's my wife Linda's favorite movie, Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. Now, by my calculations, I have seen this movie over 46 times. <laughs> like I said, it's Linda's favorite movie, and we all do crazy things for love. Now, even though I have seen this movie 40, 46 times, it wasn't until the last time I saw this movie that I achieved some form of enlightenment. Ah, yes, enlightenment comes slow to some folks. Let me briefly recap this movie for the two of you who have never seen this holiday classic. It's the story of George Bailey. George is at a crossroads in his life. He is very troubled. He is questioning his own life, his miserable life. The film begins with the people of Bedford Falls praying to God for their friend, George. Please, God, help George Bailey. Then you hear the voice of God speaking to the head angel, Joseph. God tells Joseph to send help to poor old George. Now, Joseph is a grumpy angel, and he decides, though, to send the lovable angel, Clarence, down to earth to save George. Now, just when you think the movie is going to start to take off and really gain some speed, it flashes back to review George's entire life. Please, God, save Colleen from watching this movie. 
The first important moment in George's life is at the tender age of 12. We see George rescue his little brother Harry from drowning. Harry had fallen through the ice while sledding. George's impulse to save Harry was instinctive, and this action will have great significance later on. We see George stop old man Gower, the druggist, from doling out poison instead of medi medication to a sick child. George has big dreams of seeing the world, yet at every turn, life seems to stop him. George never gets out of Bedford Falls. He struggles through his unfulfilling life. George never gets to go to college. Harry, his younger brother, goes instead. George is rejected by the army, and Harry becomes a war hero. Harry is about to receive the Congressional Medal of Honor. George's life is so uneventful. Well, there is one high point. George does get to marry Donna Reed. George is a lucky fellow. Then the angel Clarence arrives, just as George reaches the end of his rope. Things are very bleak for George. He's questioning his own value. Should he go on living? Clarence tries, to, tries time and again to show George what the world would be like if George never existed. But George doesn't seem to understand. George is thick. In complete, utter frustration, Clarence takes George to the cemetery. He shows him the grave of his little brother, Harry. George is furious at the sight of Harry's grave, and he starts to go after Clarence. And Clarence says, your brother fell through the ice and drowned at the age of nine. George says, that's a lie. I saved Harry. Harry is a hero. Harry saved the lives of every man on that transport ship. Harry saved the lives of every man on that ship. Then my moment of enlightenment. Clarence says, every man on that ship died. Every man died. Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. Harry wasn't there to save those men because you weren't there to save Harry. Don't you see, George? You really had a wonderful life. Each person's life touches many other lives. We are that interdependent web of all existence. This interdependent web is vast. People affect our lives every day often in subtle little ways we don't even realize. So here's the question. If each person has touched our lives, then who has touched your life? Well, I want to tell you a story about someone who has touched your life. She's an African-American woman. She was a public school teacher in the 1930s in Stamps, Arkansas. Her name was Bertha Flowers. Mrs. Flowers taught a lot of children. But one of the more challenging students was this little girl named Marguerite. When Marguerite was four, her parents divorced. Marguerite and her brother would be shuffled back and forth between her mother's house and her grandmother's house in Stamps, Arkansas. When she was eight years old, while staying with her mother, 
Marguerite was abused by her new stepfather. Marguerite told a brother what had happened. Marguerite's family sought their own form of justice. This girl, witnessing this violence, the scared little girl would not speak again. Marguerite became completely mute. Mrs. Flowers reached out to young Marguerite. Slowly, she gained her trust. Mrs. Flowers took Marguerite to the library in the black school. The library was no bigger than a telephone booth, and it had about 110 books in it, maybe. Mrs. Flowers said, I want you to read every book in this room. Soon, little Marguerite found poetry, and she loved it. She just loved it. Marguerite had no idea what it sounded like. She had never heard any of it recited, but she knew she loved it. Marguerite would go to Mrs. Flowers' house, and Mrs. Flowers would ring, read to her young student. Mrs. Flowers introduced Marguerite to classic literature, like Charles Dickens, William Shakespeare, and Edgar Allan Poe. When Marguerite was 13, Mrs. Flowers said to her, you will never really love poetry until you speak it, until you feel it come across your tongue and over your lips. Today, Marguerite is hailed as one of the greatest voices of contemporary literature. She is a poet, an educator, a historian, best-selling author, actress, playwright, civil rights activist, producer, and director. In today's reading, Ken beautifully recited Marguerite's poem. Marguerite grew up to be the great Maya Angelou. And yes, see, Mrs. Flowers touched Maya Angelou's life, and by doing so, she touched your life as well. Each person's life touches so many other lives. This is the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. We have all had someone in our life enter into our lives and touch us in some significant way. So today, I want us to be the living memorials for these people. I want to invite you forward to light a candle in honor of someone who has touched your life. Please come forward and light a candle. <laughs> 